is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Batter Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. Um, this is episode 41 of A Pod of Their Own, so it's a Tom Seaver episode of A Pod of Their Own. Uh, I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. Maggie is not here this week um, because, as you can all imagine, we have all, uh, including listeners, uh, we have all had our lives disrupted by the coronavirus. Even since we recorded last week, the situation has changed drastically um, and public places and um, bars, restaurants, schools, everything is starting to close now in an effort to really truly implement social distancing. And so um, Maggie's kids are home uh, from school and that presents a challenge for her to be able to continue podcasting. But um, she'll still be with us, just maybe not um, every week. We'll see what happens. Uh, But the two of us are here and Rest assured that we will continue to podcast during this time. We're kind of taking the off-season approach where we might record every other week or we might have two in a row some weeks and then take a week off. Um, We just won't be every week, but we'll be regularly in your feeds, so fear not. Um, Was baseball even canceled the last time we... I don't think it was. It was pushed back. So baseball, the start of the season... Had been delayed two weeks the last time we recorded, I think. I feel so long ago. I know. This week has been like the longest week. 
I know. Like, because the situation changes so quickly, it, like, t- like time has become, like, a flat circle. Like, it just yeah. feels like, like, last week was, like, a year ago now in coronavirus <laughs> time. Like, so the last time we recorded. Pre-quarantine and after quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the last time we recorded, they had, I think they had just, like, that day, maybe, who knows? I think it was right after we recorded last time they delayed the season. I think that they had suspended spring training already. Yes. And they were... I remember we were still talking about Conforto's injury and everything. Like, we were planning on them playing. That's right. But I think that they had stopped spring training games or at least were like, there aren't going to be any more. Um, but they hadn't delayed the season yet because I think the delay of the season came on March 12th. They said two weeks, but now it is only March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Um, it is only March 17th at around, uh, 8.30 p.m. as we record this. And as of right now, the season has been pushed back to eight weeks, um, in accordance with CDC guidance, because the CDC just came out with new recommendations that basically say no gatherings more than 50 people for at least eight weeks. And any baseball game, whether there's a crowd or not, by default is a gathering of more than 50 people between the two teams rosters and the and the coaching staffs and everything like that. So you by default cannot have baseball games under this situation. Um so, and, you know, it's it's getting to the point now where even if we do have baseball games, the delay where nothing is happening, because also the spring training facilities are now, like, shutting down mm-hmm. for group workouts, at least. Um, they're leaving the gyms open so that the players can access the gym facilities, but, like, they're 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 practicing social distancing so it's not like they're like going to the gym all as a huge group and working out together that's not what's happening they're just they're just keeping the facilities bare bones as they can so that players can like keep in shape and get treatment and that's about it see this um, is the part that scares me though like like pitchers were starting to build up and stuff and you need to have like a whole nother spring training again. Yeah. I don't want Jacob DeGrom to get hurt because they rush the season back or like that's what scares me the most is pitchers getting hurt because they're this is unprecedented. There's no timeline. There's nothing to compare to, I guess, maybe the baseball strike. But but I don't know. There's no guideline on how you how you come back from this do they keep throwing do they work out but who are you working out with i so uh this whole thing and then scheduling do you is the the national series still opening day or does it just become whatever that date was that's the new opening day like but what if somebody paid money to go see the nationals for opening day because they wanted to see a scherzer de grand matchup so this whole thing is just there's like nuances to it that i'm glad i'm not the one that has to figure it out (laughs) yeah i don't envy anyone that has to sit down in a room and figure this out because like linda said like now we're in territory where the delay is long enough such that the players are going to have to re-ramp up again to avoid injury. They have no other choice. Like, yes, they're going to keep working out independently and, like, pitchers are going to throw side sessions or whatever, but that's not... 
that's not, not a, a game. game situation like the way spring training is like it's not the same at all and so it's especially the pitchers are going mm-hmm. to have to ramp up again to avoid serious injury and I still think that regardless of what they do and no matter how careful they are there's going to be injuries and I it's not necessarily going to be their fault although I don't Never underestimate Major League Baseball's ability to fuck this up really bad. (laughs) But even if they do everything right, I think there's still going to be a lot more injuries. So another thing that's being thrown around is expanded rosters. So like that's a possibility too, um, is even though the amount of games is going to be significantly reduced, regardless of how much they try to extend the schedule past October or like condense it as much as they can, play doubleheaders, not have many off days. Like, there's, they're going to have to expand the rosters, at least initially, for sure, I think. Yeah. Because, like, the players but are going to get the minor hurt. leaguers aren't going to be ready either, and they're right. going to be without money. <laughs> so even expanding the rosters, I don't know if that's the answer. I mean, yeah, it has to be done. But, you know, you're risking their health, too. And not only do I not envy, like... The, the baseball executives that have to figure all this out as far as scheduling rosters, like how, what this is all going to look like. The playoff format might not even be oh, the same. Like it's, so it's a condensed playoff. Yeah. Or... Like it's, it's all going to be different. So not only do I not envy those people, I don't envy Luis Rojas. He's literally no. a first time manager <laughs> and I. this is all happening. So yeah. literally a rookie manager and might have to manage a, a much larger roster than he anticipated having and have to navigate through this completely unprecedented situation with potentially like double headers happening like all the time and no days off and having to figure that out and do appropriate timeshare of playing time so that nobody gets hurt and like how ha- like like congratulations first year manager here you go completely unprecedented the way he was hired was unprecedented like he only had like a month to prepare it's like okay right spring trainings in three weeks have fun right this guy like since he's been hired has not had it easy at all not at all um and like we've been saying like oh this is good because now conforto and cespedes might be ready but there's no guarantee of that like no. there's a good chance they'll recover and stuff, but you know the layoff might also hurt. Yeah, Be- because they've. I mean, I'm sure they'll still work out, but like we said, it's just not the same as a as a game situation. Yeah, and regarding the the minor leaguers, um, so a huge thing during this has been minor league pay. Obviously, minor league pay is something we've talked about on this podcast before minor leaguers are already criminally underpaid and now given this situation like minor leaguers are paid on a per diem basis and while this is going on they basically and they already live paycheck to paycheck and basically while this is going on they're not getting paid and actually rare applause for the Mets they're one of the only teams officially right now who are doing the right thing in this regard. So the Rays and the Mets both have like have officially announced that they're going to continue to pay their minor leaguers their usual stipend while this is going on. Other teams have yet to figure out an official plan on this. So you've got minor leaguers trying to like crowdfund their income, um, which is not a good situation, obviously. Um, and, then- and they haven't been paid because they don't get paid for spring training either. Right, correct, correct. Um, so yeah, 
they don't get a paycheck until the season starts and the season starts who knows when. So um, at least at least the Mets and the Rays have announced they're doing the right thing. But in the meantime, minor leaguers are kind of hung out to dry um, and they're always the first guys hung out to dry and it just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, stadium workers are another like population that's been totally screwed here because obviously if the stadiums aren't open, the hot dog vendors and everybody else ushers, all the folks that work at the stadium and rely on that income can't get that income. Luckily today, um, Major League Baseball announced that each team is paying $1 million for their stadium workers with a total of $30 million um, for all 30 teams. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's kind of sad that it came to that, that we're yeah, right. them for doing the right thing. Yeah, that like people had to agitate for this. Yeah. Well, not agitate. There weren't like, it's not like people were like out protesting because first of all, you shouldn't be gathering in large groups anyway. But <laughs> second of all, um, it's not like people were like, you know, really like banging down their doors to do this. But there like there had to, there was some, there was some public pressure. Like there, yeah. they had to be pressured into this. Like it's a PR, you know, with baseball and with ownership, it's always a PR move. It's never, they're never motivated by actually doing the right thing, yeah. but at least and also they kind of got out ahead of it. Cause in every other sport, it was the players making donations like basketball. Right. It was all the players saying, I'm going to donate this money. And it's like, that's great. But your your owner is worth a billion dollars or two billion dollars. Yeah, you like, shouldn't be the one taking care of this. No, and it was the different for me. How I viewed it is the players know what it's like to have to work for their money. Most of the billionaires either probably inherited it or it was the family business or whatever. So for them, they just kind of take it for granted that money's always there and it's just not how the world works, which is what we're seeing. Right. For a lot of people. Yeah. And so at least the outcome, even if they're not, even if I question that they're motivated by good intentions, it's at least the outcome is good in this case. Um, But obviously, I mean, like this goes way beyond baseball and so many people besides stadium workers are just straight up out of work because of Mm -hmm. this it's like not everybody can work from home and some people have jobs such that because of this they're just their job is just gone yeah like the the restaurants (laughs) restaurants service industry yeah this is gonna have far-reaching impact and all of, of our part-time workers, yeah. substitute teachers, well, the people who don't have insurance. Yep, yep. It's 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 getting to the point where every single person, unless you're like the richest of the rich, living in the bubbliest of bubbles, is feeling the <laughs> impact here. Because um, either, at the very least, even if you have a like stable job that you're able to work from home and you're continuing to get a source of income, at the very least, you're likely seeing a hit on your investments. Um, mm-hmm. because the economy is in the toilet. Um, and it's just, yeah. And obviously, again, you know, we, we went on our soapbox about this last time about the United States's, you know, meager response to this, but mm-hmm. it's, um, it's bad for everyone. It hasn't gotten better. <laughs> it hasn't gotten better, really. Um, so, and it's, and I hate to say it, but it's going to get worse before it gets better, people. So, batten down the hatches. We're, we're here. Um, yeah, we're in it. Um, and there's a reason why 
social distancing is being implemented so widely. Like, we should have been doing this sooner, but at least we're doing it now. And hopefully we can avoid the most dire outcomes. Um, We're already seeing that in Italy. Italy is starting to finally, finally slow down now. Um, But they... They saw a pretty, pretty huge impact. They got a, they had a pretty high mortality rate. They Their healthcare system was completely overwhelmed. Ours is already starting to get there, and it's going to get worse. Um, but hopefully these social distancing measures um, have come early enough to head off some of the most dire outcomes. Um, just, so here we are. Like, I've had to still go to work. Um, we finally close to the public um it's just been so eerie there's been like even when we were open last week nobody came in there was nobody on the streets like breezed right to work there was no traffic there was like nobody we were right near a shopping center the parking lot was empty the there was nobody walking when usually it's full it's just, it, it like, you kind of feel it, like, in the pit of your stomach, like, the anxiety a little bit of not knowing what's going to come. And it was like, you know, you're just walking with your head down, and all of a sudden, you walked off a cliff. And normally, where there's sports to grab onto, like, something to grab onto, there's just nothing there anymore. And it, you're just kind of flailing around for something, to to grab onto and it's just it's just I don't know it's just this odd feeling of just kind of nobody knows what's going what's going to happen like or where this is where we're all going to end up where when things going to be normal and I know that's you know a little thing right now like I know there's huge stakes but it's just you know you kind of it's just like this rudderless feeling right now and you know i'm thankful at least we're still here we can still podcast for that connection to like some kind of semblance of normalcy but i don't know like this is unprecedented for all of us yeah for sure it's i mean i'm i'm still going to work every day um because i work at the department of health and basically at the department of health like I mean, like, obviously, it's chaotic there. Like, there's Uh a sense of chaos that doesn't normally exist. Although, like, you know, at at state government, you're kind of always putting out fires. Um, But it's obviously that times a thousand. Um, But other than, like, other than just, like, the the frantic sort of atmosphere, like, everyone's there. So, like, work feels, like, eerily weird because, like, everyone is still reporting um where everyone like where in even other agencies within the government are work from home at this point but not the department of health for the most part um there are obviously like some administrative people that can be at home but like the rest of us can't and so um but like you said like the where i feel it is my commute like, yeah, I have a commute that's over an hour um, each way. Right now, it's under an hour. I've never, I've been working at this job since I started in late July. I think I clocked a commute under an hour for the first time since I started working yesterday. Oh, which wow. is nuts. Like, because there's <laughs> no one on the road, there's no cars. There's, there's no school buses. Nope. 
Yeah, and that's another thing. Sometimes they get t- stuck behind the bus as it makes its stops. <laughs> and so yes, like that adds a good five or ten part. minutes. Um, <laughs> but now there's not. And so and there's just no cars on the road. Um, so that part is where I really feel it. Um, it's it's pretty bizarre. Um, but yeah, I mean. Ooh, I got to work real fast, but it's just that's not how you feel right now. It's no, just, it's like it's everybody. It's <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's I compare it to. It's very much the same feeling as when you go out when you've been when we've been going outside during the middle of the winter and it's been like sixty five degrees. Yeah, it's the same feeling. It's like it, like your first like natural instinct reaction is like, oh, it's such a nice day out, and then you remember it's because like the world is burning, and you're like, oh, okay, existential doom. <laughs> Like, that's what this fast commute is like, because, like, yes. your, your initial reaction is to be like, ooh, I'm zooming to work, Fine. I'm going to get to work early, and then it's like, oh, that's because, like, everything is hell right it's now, Because that's we're why. living in an apocalypse right yeah. now, because that's how we've described at work, like, it feels apocalyptic Like almost. we live in a dystopian novel. Yeah. Yep. And so then, like, being me, I checked out, like, all dystopian novels to talk <laughs> I mean, whatever you got to do to cope in the absence of baseball, like, and what you said is absolutely accurate. I think the the hardest part about that this is, is like, like, yes, like, obviously, like, baseball is not a big deal in the grand scheme of, like, this whole crisis. Um, But, like, we need our escapism most when things are bad um, in the world. And this is just kind of reinforcing that it's bad because it's not there. Exactly. And the escape that we need, that we rely on most, like us specifically baseball fans, is baseball and it's not there. And you're just like, oh, so how do I cope with all these, like, existential dread feelings that I'm feeling? I don't know how, like, how do I cope with negative emotions if I can't redirect them at the Mets? I honestly have no idea. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) So it's like, what am I going to do? Um, I define my existence as being a miserable meth fan. Right. Um, But the way I've been, and like you said, we're still podcasting. Um, This, like, we will continue to therapy podcast like this for all you guys. uh, Because I know that these are feelings (laughs) that a lot of you have too. So, like, just because we're social distancing doesn't mean we have to emotionally distance. Um like we're all we're here for you everyone's here for you we have our online baseball communities and they will continue to be there and that's the best part um that we don't have to stop uh talking to each other um or listening to each other um it's really important to hold those communities close right now um because we need them so um in the spirit of that in the second half of the show, um, we will bring on a fellow member of that baseball community, um, Renee Deckard. She is a um, writer, a staff writer at Purple Row, um, our Rockies affiliate um, SB Nation site. Uh, so in the spirit of cross-team unity and baseball unity, um, we have her on the show this week, um, and we're really excited to talk to her. So stay tuned for that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back. For the second half of the show this week, we are joined by a very special guest, Renee Deckard of Purple Row. Hello, Renee. How are you? Oh, you know, it does my heart good to have you say, call me a very special guest because I, I spent the day putting my college English classes online. And I'm sure my students are not calling me very special right now as they check their email. So that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, we're very happy to have you. We're appreciative of you. It's great to be here. Thank you all for putting out such an awesome podcast and for the great work that you do. Uh, I'm really grateful for it. The more women we get writing about baseball, I just think it makes the world a better place. Hell yeah. Thanks. The solidarity amongst the women uh, in the baseball community has been like mind blowing from when I st- when we started these- this show to now. It's just been like incredible um and our guests have been so great and we know that you are gonna be just as great as the rest of our guests have been um so we just want to start off with um our listeners getting to know a little bit more about you so obviously i already mentioned you write at purple row the rockies um sb nation site um our sister website um and like our beloved Brandon Nimmo, you are from Wyoming, um, which means that if our sample size of you and Brandon Nimmo is representative of Wyoming, then it's a great place. <laughs> so so you, we're, we're, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to baseball and the Rockies and then what subsequently brought you to writing about baseball? Oh gosh, absolutely. Let me let me just um, say at the outset though that um, Brandon Nemo is is not like anybody else in Wyoming. And just so you know this, he's the only Wyoming-born out of high school top draft choice in the history of the state. Wow. And the he he and before that, the last high school baseball player was drafted by the Phillies organization in 1966. Oh my gosh. Exactly. So, so you have an outlier and um, Nemo is really, his story is really remarkable because Wyoming is one of only three states that doesn't actually have high school baseball uh, or not high school. Yeah. We don't have high school baseball. We have American Legion. And in this state that has the effect of significantly reducing the kids who play high school baseball. And we don't have it at the university of Wyoming anymore and so what that means is that the Nimmo family spent a whole lot of time and money making that career happen for him, which is an awesome story. And the fact that he lives in Cheyenne is another perk for him because one, he's close to the interstate and not everybody is. And two, it just got him close to Denver and everything he needed to become the athlete that he is. So what a great story for everybody. And I'm Every time I see him play, I'm just so happy he landed with you all because I know you all are going to take care of him. Oh, <laughs> we really love him. <laughs> we adore Brandon Nimmo. Like, he just brings so much joy to the game and to the team. So, well, I mean, well, thank you for loaning him to us. <laughs> the happiest um, man in baseball. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to say, whenever whenever your podcast drops in, in the course of preparing for this conversation – 
I started doing some Googling and I went back into some BioPreps video and I hadn't been on BioPreps since my niece was in high school. She played some college volleyball and I found some awesome high school baseball clips. So I'm going to tweet those whenever this comes out so that everybody can see um, young Brandon Nimmo in his post six uniform um, shaken up Wyoming. He's he's there's no doubt he's the best high school baseball player in this state yet. Oh my God, I'm looking forward to that so much. Yeah, the one you sent me, the clip that you sent me, like he still runs the same. Like even if you didn't tell me that was Brandon Nimmo, it's Brandon Nimmo. Like he he has not changed. The stance is a little different, of course. But just just the way he was running and like the the enthusiasm still came through. I'm like, oh, Brandon. That's our boy. Yeah, they're like, that's our boy. And then it's also just cool to see, like, snow-capped mountains in the back. Like, you don't get that anywhere else. Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you, though, when I was watching the clip in Casper, the wind just blows the whole time, which is yes, exactly that's how what it you is. Said. And... So, at any rate, my baseball story is a lot less interesting than Brando's, uh, Brando's, Brandon's. Um, I grew up on a farm in central Wyoming. And it turns out that whenever you farm, baseball is the ultimate awesome game in the world for you because farming is a lot of being outside and it's slow, deliberate work. And it turns out that baseball is just ideally suited for it. So baseball has always been on on our farm. And I never experienced in-person baseball until I went to graduate school. And I did my PhD at Texas A&M. And um, it was awesome. For $30, you bought a season ticket. Uh, You just took the bus out there. I would take a stack of papers and you watch baseball, you got a hot dog and it was awesome. And one year I was there, um, the Aggies had three left-handed pitchers and they were good. And they went to the College World Series and everything about it was fun and I was just hooked. And not too long after that, we got the Rockies, and um, that's my my baseball story. And I started writing about him. Purple, I'd been on Purple reading it for a long time, and an ad came through my Twitter, which is pretty much how the universe speaks to me now. And it said, "Hey, we're looking for writers." And I had been blogging about Peaky Blinders, and I was bored with that and angry with Stephen Knight, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> and um, I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I put in my application and they took me in and here I am. So I'm, I'm really grateful for all of that. I got very lucky. I just remember my memory of like when the, um, when the Rockies, um, came into being as a franchise was my favorite color is purple I'm obsessed with purple and there were no purple baseball teams purple teams that's mine too (laughs) and I was very upset about that and then I remember obviously like in my youth the Rockies became a franchise and I was like I like them they're a purple team and my mom (laughs) even bought I think my my mother so like my uncle lived in Colorado for a while when I was a kid yes um, he's not from there, but he lived there. He lives in Texas now, but he lived in yes. Colorado when I was a kid. And I think my parents went out to visit him when the Rockies were like just becoming a franchise. And my mom bought a Colorado Rockies t-shirt. And so like, and I think she, if she doesn't still have it, she wore it for a long time afterwards. Like, and I have distinct memories of like my youth of my mother in the Colorado Rockies t-shirt and it was purple and it was my favorite shirt of hers because it was purple. Yeah, that's exactly how I came to like them, too, because they were the new purple team. <laughs> exactly. 
What's not to like? I've said this before. Like more teams need to wear purple. It's a good color for it a baseball is. team. It's a good. You know, color. it's an awesome color, but I just really love the Rockies having the corner on that market right now. So I think yeah. we're gonna. We should keep it. You know, keep it small. Keep it intimate. There you are. That's true. Well, how do you feel about the vests? Because they're one of the few who wear the vests still. This is on Rockies Twitter a hot point of contention. Oh boy, <laughs> you, you will you will get in a fight over this one. I love the black vests. I think the black vests are classic and iconic, and there are a whole bunch of people who think they just look outdated and ridiculous. So I'm team vest. I in fact I'm hardcore enough. I don't know if you've looked at. They used to have white ones. And yeah. And the white ones are beautiful. And we've asked, we've said, please bring back the white vest, but that hasn't happened yet. So put me hashtag team black vest. Mets Twitter <laughs> can relate because yes. um, of the black uniforms the Mets wore from uh, like 1990. What year did they start wearing the blacks? I think it was either 98 or 99. Yeah, like the late 90s and early thousands Mets uh, wore black uniforms. And obviously there was a period during that time when the Mets were really good in 99 to 2000 um, when right. they made the World Series in 2000. And so there is a certain, especially like of our age group, Linda, especially like the yeah. older millennials who were like of age, like coming of age during that time period who like have a certain fondness for the black uniforms i'm actually on the opposite side of that debate i don't like them but i don't like them either <laughs> that that makes yeah linda and i like uh, we're pariahs among like our like cohort of mets fans because like people have a huge fondness for those black uniforms and like love them and want the mets to like bring them back as like a vintage like alternate um and i am like no they're ugly you guys they aren't mets colors <laughs> Yeah, there's no blue and orange on them. Like, that's not part of the colors. And it doesn't help that Marcus Stroman is leading the charge, too. I know, and I love him. I know, like, Marcus, don't break my heart like this, man. <laughs> don't have a bad now, take. I, Come on. I will say this. John Gray has said that the black vests are a problem because you have to tuck all that in and you get kind of a muffin top. Which, by the way, <laughs> John Gray describing muffin top is like, right, dude. Um, so... That's a practical drawback that I, I hadn't really considered. Um, the other thing I have to say, I am a big Marcus Stroman fan myself, and I discovered that he got the big Peaky Blinders tattoo in the in the off season, you know? And oh, it's like, cool. Marcus, buddy, let's talk. Yeah. Just oh, seasons no. one and two, though. That's all I'm going to talk to you about, not the rest of it. He's cool. Like, I, he's he's definitely, like, upped the cool quotient of the Mets, yeah. for sure. For sure. I like... Well, I say this a lot about like the Mets and the mix of players they have right now, which I really love, which is that like I feel like every team in order to be like peak likable needs to have a mix of your like boring white bread team ambassador players like yes. David Wright and Jacob deGrom. You know what I'm saying? Like like nothing against them. I love them. They're actually my two favorite Mets like ever, but they're, you know, they're just very they're like make waves. They're not going like... to make waves. They're by the book. They talk to the media and give the quotes that everyone wants to hear. And then you, but you need swag. You need you Noah need Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman and you need Ioannis Cespedes. Like you need those guys too. Oh my gosh. Thor, you know, the recent, did you see his recent clip where he's doing some pitching in his skivvies, right? Yes. <laughs> and, he, and he just is so nonchalant about it, right? And yeah, like, he's Dude. like, yeah. 
Well, I don't know if you saw, they all stood, like, they made a joke about it, and they all stole the shirts, so everybody was working out shirtless just to (laughs) make fun of him. Yeah, there's this picture of, like, all the Mets when spring training was still happening, back back in ancient times when spring training was still happening. Um, There's, like, this picture of, like, all these shirtless Mets, and then actually Noah Syndergaard's the only one wearing clothes, and it's hilarious. (laughs) And then to get back at them, he stole all their shirts and ran away with them. (laughs) Yep. Very good. When you have a team that gets along and likes each other, it's just so much more fun for everybody. So good for the Mets. Exactly. Help us to get to know the Rockies because all we know is the Nolan Arenado drama, which we can relate to because I'm sure for for us, it's always the Wilpons, the owners wanting to trade Noah Syndergaard because they don't like him because he's loud and he's brash and he makes no apologies about it. And so it feels like, like, I don't know, like I might be totally off base, but it seems like Breidich is kind of the equivalent of that to the Rockies. Like, I feel like there's a kinship between Mets and Rockies fans that we are just like, have one person can ruin like the good feelings for everybody. Oh man. I, I just, I just can't wrap my head around it. See, listen, I can't even complete the sentence. That's how bad it is. Um, when, if you're a Rockies fan and nobody's going to get this like a Mets fan, a year ago we were going, yeah, we got the extension. He's with us. We're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it just fell apart. But it, well, I won't want to say it fell apart. It deteriorated. But it deteriorated in this really awful way, right? Because there are all of these rumors. And nobody in power with the Rockies will address the rumors. And so they just kind of fester on and fester on and fester on. And um, clearly the owner, Dick Monfort, is okay with this because he's not stopping any of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you have this moment whenever Jeff Breidich speaks up and he goes, okay, no, it's all good. And Nolan Arenado says, "Uh, wait just a minute, (laughs) right? And the last that we had heard, and this has been a couple of weeks, they were both at spring training and they hadn't spoken to each other. Oh, and there's a, I don't, I have to say as, so there's the baseball side of it and that's really troubling to me, but there's also sort of a, a human relations part to this, which is to say in my workplace, that just wouldn't be tolerated. My, my supervisor and I would be forced into mediation. We would work it out. We would go from there. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I'm really having trouble understanding how this organization works. Well, also, like, I kind of feel for you because if I were to get, like, Nolan Arenado is one of my favorite non-Mets. Like, I would totally get a purple Nolan Arenado Rockies jersey and I would rock it if they were available, which is another issue in and of itself. Um, But... Like you were saying, like, how do you build a culture? And then how do you, like, lure other free agents? Because if I'm not mistaken, the Rockies didn't sign any free agents this offseason. Hello, we were the last one on the island of not signing any MLB free agents. We win the prize. <laughs> oh my so, yes. Efficiency prize. <laughs> Dollars so, per so war prize. How do you... Yeah, so if you want to say we're going to compete or we're going to win 94 games, like, how do you build up this culture? Like, nobody's going to want to go there if, you know, you have your star saying I'm being mistreated and then you have these other things coming out. You're not showing that you want to win 94 games. So it's just a kind of snowballs from from there. So 
I'm with you on all of that. I don't understand how any of this is supposed to work at all. I do know this. All of the reporting is consistent that the Rockies believe they have a winning team. They really believe that what they've put together can win. Um, they're the only ones, but they believe it. <laughs> now, I do think they're a little bit better than the projections that they're getting at Baseball Prospectus. I, I think this is not quite as bad as they've got them. But I also don't think it's a 94-win team. Although, since we're going to have an abbreviated season, I guess that expectation is sort of moot at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, I have to say, the player that really gets overlooked in that, though, is Trevor Story. Because mm -hmm. Trevor Story yeah. is incredibly talentedly good. And by the way, how the Rockies would even consider breaking up that side of the infield is a mystery to me. But here we are. And so you're asking for logic, and I don't, I don't have any. And the other thing that I really don't get, um, I'm really fascinated by fandom, right? I'm really interested in the ways in which fandoms participate with um, the thing that they're fanning about, right? And so what the Rockies have done, I, I can't understand, because they've created this really interesting character in Nolan Arenado, who is, by the way, incredibly talented. Let me be really clear about that. But they've marketed him to us in such a way that we're really attached to this guy. And I don't think that Major League Baseball gets that whenever you start messing with that relationship, it's it's personal. And the Rockies see him as an asset, and we see him as something a bit different. And I'm sure you experienced all of this with DeGrom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. With DeGrom, with Syndergaard. Is Syndergaard, I want to say more so, because they never... Right there was never any real danger of them trading DeGrom. There was, I mean, it, it was touch and go when he said, I want an extension. And then Jeff Wilpon right. forgot they had a meeting. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then it seemed like they were going to, and then he said, I won't negotiate after opening day. So it was like two days before opening day last year that they finally got the extension done. So that was actually terrifying because where I, if you can't get an extension done when your GM is his former agent, it's right. probably not going to happen. But Noah Syndergaard is the one they market. He's Thor. He's, you know, we have the Thor bobblehead day. We have the Thor t-shirt day. And so he becomes this larger than life persona. Like, I don't know if they still do it, but a couple years ago when he would strike somebody out, like they would have like lightning bolts, like flash on the screen. Like he became this larger than life character. And like you said, like you, you get excited because you have this awesome player and you're like, yeah, this is amazing at the stadium and you have all this energy. And then for them to say like, eh, we don't like him anymore. Eh, he tweeted something we don't like. Eh. So yeah, it's like, why don't you care as much as I do? Like, you just want to kind of like scream at them and say, don't ruin this because it's something that means a lot to me. I think that Major League Baseball has not yet grappled with, with Web 2.0. I think Major League Baseball doesn't understand yet that fans organize and that fans um, reply and create things. Major League Baseball's way of communicating with fans still suggests, here, we're going to give you some stuff and we're going to count your clicks and that's going to be how it works. And it doesn't work like that at all anymore. And the Rockies have not yet, I think, grappled with what's going to happen if they trade Nolan Arenado. Um, we had probably a month of Fire Breitich hashtags in Purple Row <laughs> Twitter, and they will be back, you know? And um, 
why would you do that? But nobody asked me. Well, and also, I mean, you have, like Nolan Arenado has been like your one big guy. Like even when they were struggling, like for I don't know right. if this is true or not, but for us, it was kind of like David Wright. Like even when they were bad, yep. we still had him to root for. So you kind of yep. built that attachment. Like he was just always there in the good and the bad. And you want to you. Even if the Rockies were in a bad spot, you watched because you knew there was a really good chance Nolan Arenado was going to do something amazing, yeah, right? Yep. And that's just not something you're going to replicate really easily. And so I don't I, – I wish I had answers. And I, my, I mean, my answer is just keep him, please. But um, I don't get to make that decision. But yeah, like you said, like baseball is like baseball as a whole is just not seeing it that way. It's not just the Rockies or the Mets, but like we this is the offseason that we saw Mookie Betts get traded to mm-hmm. the freaking Dodgers. Like the Red Sox clearly don't care. Uh, he's their franchise player, very obviously their franchise player um, and one of the best players, like a top three player in baseball. Um, and so like it's just upsetting to see this trend replicated across the game that it's not just like a couple of teams being outliers like this is all of baseball is acting this way i just don't think they understand fandom and they so they want to cultivate your fandom because it's profitable for them to do that because linda's going to go buy an arenado jersey right and so they Mm -hmm. make money off of that the problem is that they they keep tearing away the mask because they'll remind you that actually they see players as assets and that's not how you cultivate fandom. And that's not how you get a commitment from fans. And I'm really sorry for the, the folks in Boston because I would just be so angry if they traded away Mookie Betts. Actually, I'm angry because they traded him for the Dodgers. And so just, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Here, but <laughs> you know what? I, I'm of two minds of it, right? Obviously, I don't want the Dodgers to get better than they already are. But there's another part of me that's really pretty eager to watch Mookie Betts play at Coors. I just think that's going to be amazing. So, mm, yeah, getting to watch a player you don't get to see all the time is really fun. Like, I remember the yes. first time I, like, witnessed Mike, Mike Trout in person. I was like, yes. I am literally watching the greatest baseball player of all time playing right now in front of my face, which is crazy. Because, like, obviously in the National League, we don't get to see, especially the National League East across the country, right. like, we barely ever get to see Mike Trout. And so when I lived in Baltimore for six years, like, uh, I would make it a point when the Orioles played the Angels to go to see right. Mike Trout at Camden Yards because I was like, I'm only going to get so many in-person looks at the greatest baseball player to ever play the game. Um and it's it's larger than life to watch. And I'm glad that even though the Angels like have not, you know, built around him the way that they should be doing, I'm glad that like he at least seems to be staying an angel forever, um, hopefully. Um on one hand it's sad because it's like you want him to have rings and you want him to have success, but I believe in teams keeping their franchise players. Like I believe in right. Jacob deGrom being a Met for his whole career. Like I Right believe strongly in that and um, i feel like we're kind of spoiled too because david wright was kind of an outlier yeah like, that, that's not the just unfortunately it's not the norm anymore like we've seen so i feel like we you know we complain a lot about you know mets fans but we were kind of spoiled that david wright like that was important to him was that he wanted to be a met and stay in met his his whole career and they were willing to make that happen 
It did it, and it does feel almost like David Wright, even though he he retired recently. Like it's it, it feels like it's been a long time since we've yeah. seen David Wright play baseball, but it really hasn't. But it still feels like David Wright is like kind of of another era that's over now. Uh, yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Oh. Nolan Arenado's been pretty outspoken that he's not interested in repeating Todd Helton's career. And Todd Helton was that figure for the Rockies, right? Right. The the career long franchise player. And he's he's been very explicit. That is he wants to win. It's not about money. He is not going to do what Helton did. He'd like to do it in Denver, but he wants to win. And so there's a real divergence there, I think, on his part as well. By the way, I have to say. Nolan Arenado began his professional career in Casper, Wyoming, as part of the Casper Ghosts. Wow. And, yes. And uh, if I ever get to interview Nolan Arenado, I really want him to tell me about what it was like in Casper for him as a 19-year-old coming from California, because I think that had to have been really complicated. Culture shock a bit, probably. Oh, my gosh. He's got... <laughs> he's got so whenever Trevor Bauer started his video series, the first person that he interviewed was Nolan Arenado. And he asked Nolan to tell him a story about being in the minor leagues. And Nolan tells him the story about whenever he was with the ghosts and the bus broke down and they had to walk. Right. Oh, and if you live in Wyoming, you have your story about being on a bus that breaks down somewhere and you have to walk in the cold. Cause that's just how we roll around here. Apparently. <laughs> and I thought the story was awesome. And Trevor Bauer was just not interested. And so I was like, okay, but I someday I really want to hear that story about Nolan Arenado. Yeah, that would be a really cool thing to hear about. <laughs> um, since we're not seeing, unfortunately, any Nolan Arenado or any Jacob deGrom or any baseball for the foreseeable future, um, what are you doing with your newfound downtime that you won't be necessarily dedicating to baseball and watching baseball? So life is really weird like right now, and I don't know how your life is working, but uh, I've lived a very scheduled life because since I was four, I was either a student or a teacher, right? The academic calendar is how I roll. And for the rest of this semester, I don't have an academic calendar anymore. I'm just online kind of doing things. And so it's taken me a while to figure out how my days are going to work. And, but I am pretty excited because I've been wanting to write some stuff. So I'm hoping to get some, some writing done. How about you all? Yeah, I feel like we're trying and we're, uh, everything's pretty much shutting down here. So there's really like all the restaurants are closing, all the bars are closing. So we were talking early about how it feels kind of, apocalyptic here because there's nobody on the roads there's uh you know and we're you know used to seeing people out at all hours there's you know it's always busy there's always traffic and now there's just nobody there so we're having trouble coping with just you know like sports was always that thing that we could grab onto to even no matter how messed up the world was that 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 was there and that was normal that was something to grab onto and now that even that's not there so it's just you know trying to figure out how to navigate you know this you know this crazy time where we're living in right now a lot of reading probably will get done a lot of writing so we're, you know, at least if, but it's also kind of, you can flex your creative juices a little bit since you, there is no content. You have to come up with the content now. 
so that's kind of you know one way to look at it i guess is you know it's up to us now to kind of fill the void yeah we're gonna do a thing over on purple row we're gonna we're gonna start we announced it today when the season starts we're gonna use mlb the show and we're gonna play all the games that the rockies would be playing when the rockies play them and we're gonna do the whole shebang we're gonna oh wow going to set up a, a feed for the a, a game thread and one of our people on staff Ben Kushnerkovich is a journalism major and because he's not going to get to do his practice with women's softball at Mercer State he's going to do some play-by-play we're going to live tweet him and uh, everybody's pretty excited because at least we'll have some structure and some baseball even if it's not real that's really cool that's a good idea actually. that's such a also, cool ben, idea yeah ben's awesome too so yes. everything i've seen everything like I, I follow him on twitter so that's clearly in good hands <laughs> yes. we at amazing avenue have uh an mlb the show aficionado in uh dave capo bianco yes um we <laughs> yes. haven't we don't have exactly the same plan where we're gonna like play out the mets season but he's done some fun creative things with mlb the show in the past um People may be familiar with his uh, uh, League of Bartolo Colognes. Uh, that that went like pretty viral when he did that. Um, and that's actually how he ended up as a staff writer on Amazing Avenue. Like he was a commenter and he did that as a like as a fan post. And it went so viral that Chris just like hired him. <laughs> um, so he's he, and he like and I think he sent us a screenshot in our uh, Amazing Avenue Slack of like purchasing MLB The Show 20. So I think yes, that he, he has did. some plans. <laughs> so who knows what he'll come up with? A whole league of, I don't even know, Tomas Nitos. Or something, or Pete Alonso's. Or... I went the opposite direction. I went the most mediocre player. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or um, think of all, like, Jacob deGrom's versus all Pete Alonso's. That could be kind of Oh, cool. that'd be cool. He should do that. That would be cool. I like, should how, suggest that. Yeah, like, how would, a, like, how would a, one of the most elite pitchers fare against one of the most elite power hitters? That would be be cool. Um, So, yeah, there's that. As far as me in my downtime, I don't really have much because I work at a state health department. So um, I'm still going to work every day. Um, I'm working more than I was before, in fact. Um, Not like like super overtime or anything like that. It's not that bad yet. Um, But it's mostly like it's 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 really it's a really weird vantage point to be in because my like our listeners know this a little bit. But my background is that I have a Ph.D. in human genetics um, and I decided I wanted to do science policy for my career. Um, I graduated in uh, about a year ago in February 2019 um, and I. Um, decided I wanted to do science policy. So um, I got a a science policy fellowship with the New Jersey state government through Rutgers University. I'm from New Jersey originally, went to Maryland for my PhD, now I'm back. Um, And so... I um, I'm doing this fellowship and things are kind of at the Department of Health and things are kind of chugging right along. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of my fellowship, there's this huge public health crisis Um, that. So I am being diverted to things that like I did not expect to be doing during this fellowship. Like I am having to use like actually my technical science skills more than I thought, Um, because obviously the idea of science policy is that you use your knowledge and expertise, but you're not necessarily like putting on gloves in a lab coat and going in the lab every day. Well, actually, I am doing that now. <laughs> so um, it's been kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, 
it's it, it, you do what you have to do. I'm a public servant, really, in this role. And so I've got to do what I've got to do. Um, otherwise, it's just without baseball, like Linda said, I'm probably going to be reading a lot, doing a lot of TV binging, which is probably what most people are doing. Um, I um, I'm currently making my way through The Sopranos. Um Oh, it's so good. Yes, it is very good. Um, people people are like, you haven't watched The Sopranos? Hand in your New Jersey card. Come on. Uh, which is true. <laughs> like, I, I, it, I have become a true New Jerseyan. Now I'm watching The Sopranos all the way through. So that's what I'm doing now. And I'm probably going to watch Fleabag after that, finally, which was... Has oh, been, Fleabag is so good. Had, has been on the top of my list forever. So that's the next show that's going to get started after I finish The Sopranos. So those things, you know, just watching movies and like chilling out and doing a lot more writing I um I just finished a draft of a piece today that will hopefully be in baseball prospectus at some point once um once it's done being edited but about you know baseball and the coronavirus and social distancing and you know the science behind it and why this is really important for public health and it sucks but we got to do it that whole thing um so we'll see what happens with that, but yeah, lots of lots of writing, uh, lots of job applications, which is also weird to be like applying for jobs in this environment because who oh, the heck I can knows imagine. what's going to happen? Because uh, my fellowship ends in July, uh, so <laughs> have to apply for jobs and things for after this, and who the heck knows what's gonna what the environment's going to be like even in two weeks from now, let alone in July. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, you're going to keep podcasting and keeping a sense of normalcy, etc. So maybe yeah, we'll well, have opening day in July. Who knows? Maybe. Just Possibly. give me, just promise me there'll be an opening day, and I'll I'll cope with the rest of it myself. Right? True story. Yeah. yeah. True story. Or they'll actually congratulations too with Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame. We're so excited and so yes! happy about that, and he's going in as. But see, this is another thing um, that gets disrupted, right? Because yes. all of these people were going to do these pilgrimages to Cooperstown. And now nobody's sure about how that's going to go. Oh, Larry Walker was going to be the emergency goalie for the Avs Saturday night. Oh, and yes, they, I saw that. Yeah. And they canceled all of that. And so that's all disappointing. But we're super happy about Larry. That's yeah, that's very happy. Um, for a brief moment uh, to sort of uh, close things out on this uh, on this Rockies portion uh, of the discussion, I'm going to I'm going to pretend let's just like pr- put our guise of pretending on and pretend that the season is like going to happen um, in some capacity or another. <laughs> um, what are you looking to see, Renee, from the Rockies this year? I know that you said you think that they're a better team than the projection systems have pegged them for. What is key to their success, and what what do you think their um, their record more or less is going to be, and what do you think you're going to see from them this year? So the key, uh, it's, I'm not going to give you a brilliant answer on this. Everybody's going to say this. The key is going to be pitching. And yep. even more specific than that, it's going to be Kyle Freeland. Yeah. Um, the Rockies really are going to need Kyle Freeland to be closer to who he was in 2018. And I have to say, one of the things I'm pretty excited about is the fact that in the, in the spring training games, he looked better. He's changed his approach a little bit. He looks more confident. And I have believed for a long time that Kyle Freeland is the guy that sort of sets the tone for the Rockies, right? He... Bud Black said once that Kyle Freeland has a certain ability to will winning, right? I mean, you saw that when they played Chicago in the playoffs in 2000 or the wild card in 2018. Kyle Freeland has to be good. Um, 
and I'm good. This is I'm going to be overly optimistic. I'm sure. Well, okay. So I'm going to pretend that there's still 162 games because I can't, but I think this is a 500 team. So whatever 82 games or whatever half is of what they are going to be playing. Um, how about you all? Well, I have a quick question about Freeland because yes. he was on my fantasy team a couple of years ago. I was like, <laughs> this guy is awesome. I love this guy. So I became a huge Kyle Freeland fan. And then I was like, oh, my God, what happened to Freeland? Do you think it was the ball? Yes, I think the ball was a problem. Freeland's a real control pitcher, right? I mean, yes. he's a he's a paint the corners kind of guy. I think the ball just it just got to him. And um, and then he just got frustrated. And we ha- I, one of the really interesting things as a humanist who watches baseball, I was really fascinated by John Gray getting sent to triple A the year before. And then we watched the same thing happen with Freeland last year. And I was watching a game in triple A and he was not having a good game and he got ejected. Oh. And he was walking. He was walking across to the dugout to, to go to the locker room. And I just thought, how angry does he have to be? I mean, you have to be thinking, dude, I pitched the wild card last year and you're throwing me out of a triple A game. What is this? Right. So I think Freeland's going to be back. If he's not, the Rockies have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Did they extend Marquez? Because he looked really good. They extended him last year. And you know what? He is an awesome pitcher. He is super good. And I think people don't pay enough attention to Marquez because Gray gets all the attention and Gray is amazing. But Marquez, Marquez is a stopper. If, If the Rockies are sliding, Marquez is a guy who shows up and has the game to try to change the tone of everything, right? He is so important. Yeah, I feel like I picked him up in fantasy, too. <laughs> that was a good move. My... Also, I kind of... DJ LeMayhew used to be my boy, but I have a rule of no Yankees on my team. <laughs> so oh. it kind of broke my heart that LeMayhew is on the Yankees now. It's hard for us all, Linda. Yes. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I unfortunately have Araldis Chapman on my fantasy team this year. Uh, I feel gross about that, but maybe maybe like baseball won't happen and that'll be like, you know, a sign that it's because I had Araldis Chapman on my fantasy team that it's like you don't need to have Araldis Chapman on your fantasy team. We're just going to skip that. <laughs> um, the baseball gods are weird. Yeah, yeah, but I do also have Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman. So yeah. Ooh. Those are awesome choices. Yes, and, very you know, good choices. I don't- I, did Pete Alonso put on his Instagram? Surely he did when he went fishing with Charlie Blackman. Yes, yes, yes I believe he did. He did. Yes. yes, and I was like, <laughs> "Please let me be on the boat and just eavesdrop," because I really want to hear that conversation. Yeah, that would be real cool. Um, <laughs> as far as what we expect from the Mets, um, I I was actually talking about just this subject um, on Sunday because uh, I went uh, I was guesting on um, for all you kids out there the baseball prospectus Mets podcast with our friends Jeff and Jarrett um, and we were talking about like what to expect out of the Mets especially like the with given the weirdness of the season inevitably um, and I was saying that you know the Mets have their usual high variance eighty six win team going on where like right. eighty six wins is probably more or less the like average outcome but it's a low ceiling uh, I mean it's a low floor and a very high ceiling feeling um so but like when you make the season shorter that only makes the variance problems worse (laughs) so like the Mets may 
just be that team that wins the asterisk World Series that was only an 80-game season or whatever the heck, because I think that the Mets are actually good enough, and it may even favor them to have a shorter season, because the Mets, like, the way the Mets work is, the, the past few seasons especially, is that they just suck the entire month of June, and that's what costs them the playoffs. Like, yeah, they're... Right. They're great in the beginning of the season, and then they have like a mid, a, a like beginning to midsummer swoon period, is and then they're really the good in the second half. Yeah, yeah, that's when the injuries set in, and then they're really then, good in the second back. half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, if you just eliminate that part, <laughs> then maybe they would be the World Series champions. Well, for me, I got really sad the other day because. We're wasting Marcus Stroman. He's going to be a free agent, and they're not going to extend him. I'm like, so we're missing out on Marcus Stroman fun. I was expecting a big year out of him. I was excited to get a full year out of Stroman, and now that's kind of cut into. So I would prefer they extended him, um, because I don't think now you let Wheeler go. Now you have to replace two people in your rotation. And who knows if Waka and Purcell are it. And they're both here only one year, I think. Yeah. So, so again, it's a lot like the Rockies. It depends on their pitching. Because we saw last year, once their offense clicks, it clicks. Like, they're good. Right. And you have a lot of people like J.D. Davis. You can't overlook him. You can't overlook Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, like Pete Alonzo's the guy. But they have. He's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> like they have. But they have pieces around him. They can support him. And then if Cespedes comes back. Like, I was going to say delaying the season makes it actually more <laughs> likely that Cespedes is healthy to start the I year, know. which is crazy. It's- Sorry, Renee, that game that Cespedes had at Coors Field where he hit, like, four home runs. That was, like, <laughs> oh one of the gosh. best. It was real was good. One of the best performances I've seen on a baseball field. Okay, that's your take on it. Mine's a little different, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just to have that threat back with Pete Alonso, like, that's really, you know, like, that's a good one-two punch. And that's not even taking in everything else. So, but it's their pitching and their bullpen. Like their bullpen was historically awful last year. So if they can just be regular awful, maybe they have a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's all we're asking really. It's just the bullpen to be regular awful instead of like <laughs> supremely awful. And like the, th- the thing that like, and again, I-, I talked about this with Jeff and Jared, but the thing that like selfishly I'm pretty bummed about, like, is the fact that we're missing like a whole like half potentially half a season of Jacob deGrom's peak like that yeah. is a blow to the stomach yeah. is and, he's already older and when you think about like the fact that we're starting to have conversations about like if he can sustain this long enough he's like a hall of fame candidate and to take away a whole half of his of his peak is is bad for the counting stats when we're considering whether he's a hall of famer or not down the line. And that sucks. That's like the David Wright spinal stenosis stuff. It sucks. Don't bring this up. I'm sad enough. Sorry. It's just something I've been thinking about. Here's the good news. The owners are so greedy. They're going to try to make this game start rolling as soon as they possibly can. True. So they're going to jumpstart it as soon as they can. So there's that too. So that's the thing. And 
And he's still their Cy Young. If there's yes. no games to play, there's nobody to True. take the Cy Young. <laughs> Jacob deGrom is still the reigning Cy Young Award winner if there are no baseball games. He's the Cy Young Award winner in perpetuity. That'd be great. Um, and I still think Arenado was robbed of the MVP a couple years ago. True he facts. was a couple of years ago. I, I believe that. Not last year, but he was two years ago. Yeah, yeah. two but... years ago. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but since, since I was the Debbie Downer, my fault, I, I, I'll stop being that. Um, we will end the show like we always do, um, with happy things, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. And I feel like we need this segment more than ever. We will keep having walk-off wins no matter what. Um, so Renee, what is your walk-off win? So here's my walk-off win. Um, Herman Marquez, his family has he has he has a wife and a young son. I think his son will be two this summer, and they've been in Venezuela. And he was able to get a visa for his family, Aww. and so now he puts up pictures. All so he always he would put up pictures of his son, and then he would take them down, right? And his son is his name is Damien. He's so cute, and so now that they're in the United States, he's got this little Marquez jersey that he wears, and Herman takes pictures of him and puts him on his Instagram, and he's so happy. And I love seeing that family together. And so that is a walk off win for me that I am super super happy about. Yay, oh, that's so that's sweet. Precious. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Baseball families are the best. Like. I like you know what makes me so happy is the the Carlos Beltran family Halloween costume. Oh, yes, <laughs> the coordinated costume. <laughs> so good, so good. Um, Linda, what is your walk off win for this week? Well, my walk off win is like just this, basically. Um, still having connections, you know. It is kind of, you know, it's very easy to kind of spiral, kind of be lonely, kind of be down. And, you know, we are, you know, really blessed to have, you know, this wonderful baseball community where we can still talk about baseball, even when there is no baseball. And um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, I was really looking forward to this tonight. Like I get to talk about baseball. So it's just nice to have, you know, you know, like-minded people and just just knowing that we're all, you know, in this together, we're all, you know, trying to get through it together. You know, we're here to support each other, to talk to each other. And like, you know, there's Renee in Wyoming and yet here we are, you know. Oh, here, here. Yeah, we're good. We're able to talk and commiserate and, you know, find out about Wyoming and um, (laughs) find out about the Rockies. And so it's just cool. Like, you know, back in, you know, the Spanish flu, they had to stick them and stay in their houses. And, you know, that was it. You had to stare at the four walls, maybe knit. And that was it back in, was it 1918 or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, as much as, you know, our lives have been Im- interrupted, it is just like in the grand scheme of things, an inconvenience more than anything. But there are ways around it. And, you know, I am thankful that, you know, we're still we're still able to make these connections and I'm, I'm actually very thankful for that. Bless the internet. Yes. Um, Oh yes. And yeah. And I was, I was saying this to Linda and Renee before the show, before we started recording, but I'd like to reiterate it now. Um, It's just really awesome to be able to talk to the 
the fellow women in the baseball community, especially in the SB Nation family, um, because I get really, really psyched. Like when we when we did our partnership with Cup of Cubby Blue, like that was awesome to talk yeah. to Sarah and Andy that those chats. I, I treasure them. And similarly, this is awesome too, getting to talk to Renee from Purple Row and hear about like what other teams are up to. And I always get just get really psyched when I looked at when I look at the mastheads of other SB Nation sites and see so many talented women writers because that's unfortunately still not the norm yet. I feel like our sites, couple, uh, I feel like, you know, like the Cubs site, the Rocky site, and Amazing Avenue are three examples, but they're kind of exceptions to the rule at this point. I still feel like I see mostly men at the mastheads of pretty much all the SB Nation sites, and that's not just in baseball. It's across sports. Um, where I feel like we've made strides in you know, the national sphere, like at, you know, sites like The Athletic and Sports Illustrated um, and things like that. You see a lot of prominent female baseball writers and that's awesome and that rocks. Um, but I feel like kind of it's kind of lagged behind in the blogging space a little bit. Um, so just to have these conversations with these other super talented, super awesome female writers at other um, team sites has just been so I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. Here, here. Yes, I definitely second that too. Um, So my walk-off win is kind of related to Linda's um, in the sense that it's just about like technology and people generally coming together during this and, you know, kind of riding it out as a team, uh, so to speak. But I'd like to specifically shout out Science Twitter. Um, So those of you who follow me on Twitter probably notice I mostly tweet about the Mets, um, just because I feel like Twitter has been my, like, chosen baseball outlet, um, and apart from my, like, Facebook and Instagram, which are more my, like, personal social medias that I tweet about, like, personal things and post pictures of, like, my life and things like that, whereas, like, (laughs) I don't want to bore the people in my real life with the Mets and constantly bombarding them with Mets crap. So I like try to keep that to Twitter. Um, But uh, I do also follow like a ton of scientists and science accounts um, on Twitter. And that's kind of the other like community that I'm a part of and just like not as loud about on Twitter, except probably during times like this. Um, So science Twitter during this has been like really fantastic. And I feel like it's been science Twitter's time to shine is like just the ability of like everyday scientists, not just people like Anthony Fauci, although Dr. Fauci has been awesome during this, um, not not just prominent people in the government, but everyday scientists, grad students, just like scientists doing their thing every day, tweeting about like, yo, guys, the social distancing stuff matters. Like, please trust me. I'm a public health expert. I'm an epidemiologist. Like I have background in this. Um, just being able to reach more people and the fact that in the science world, science communication is actually being stressed a lot more now than it has been in the past. I feel like in the past, scientists have always been seen as like these people who are kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, like up in their ivory towers above it all. Um, And like, I'm not political. Like I just do the science. I'm objective. I look at facts and like, it's hard for scientists to admit that everything is political, right? Like you can't just separate your science from politics because inevitably, as we've seen play out now, science becomes political. Um, And so just to see scientists speaking out more um, and speaking out in a way that actually reaches people um, and speaks to them has been really cool to see. So that's, that's my walk off win. And thank you to, all the scientists out there keep 
keep pounding that drum. Yeah. Oh my, we're we're all we're all. I'm just in awe. So, thanks to you, Allison and Linda. Thanks to you for being an advocate for libraries. I oh, I end up fighting the Twitter wars all the time where people say we don't need libraries anymore because we oh, have Google, and they just drive me crazy. So, thank you for all the work that you do as a as a public librarian because that's never been more important than it is now. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's good to hear because it does get frustrating because of that very very sentiment like even today like we were closed to the public but you know we still went in we were trying to think of ways we could still serve the public like you know let's do a live chat let's do an email let's video a story time and upload that onto youtube so we were we're still and you know because people there's it's still tax season the census is still going on people still need information you know we can lead them information about you know everything that's going on right now so we we are vital and there we do try to offer resources with you know the best way we can with given what we have like yeah we're restricted right now but we're still here to serve so that goes to like everybody i'm sure every library right now is still going to try to help you so if you need help call your library yep they're awesome public libraries rock and they're super important i think i've mentioned on this show before like I spent a lot of time in my public library during the time when like both my parents were working when I was a school aged child and like I had to the period between when I got out of school and when my mom got out of work I spent at the library because the library is right across the street from my school. So library helped raise me. So I'm yeah. and look at you now, Allison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cultivating a love of okay. reading and learning is very important, you guys. Um, <laughs> huge part of why I am where I am now. So public libraries, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that, um, we will wrap up the show this week. Like I said at the top of the show, we will keep podcasting no matter what happens. Don't worry about it. We may not be in your feeds every single week like we were planning on during the regular season, um, but we still have content for you guys. We're still going to be podcasting, um, and we think it's important to keep podcasting during these times. <laughs> so while you're waiting for the next episode, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com. We're still writing articles on the on the site as well, and so is Purple Row. Go to PurpleRow.com if you want to learn a little bit about the Rockies, if you want to follow what the Rocky season is going to be like via MLB the show um go go check out purple row check out amazing avenue we're still doing our season preview series because we wrote them and the players still might have a season so check that out um we have a morning news post every day just for our online community to gather because even at its most bare bones we want amazing avenue to be a place where people can just gather and miss baseball together because we think that these communities are more important than ever so go to amazingavenue.com you can follow us on all the social medias twitter facebook and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow the show on twitter at a pod of their own you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you linda at linda servich renee deckert where can people find you on the internet Oh, I'm at 307 Renee. So you'll never forget Wyoming's area code because that's what it is. Heck yes. Um, <laughs> so follow Renee on Twitter. Follow Purple Row on Twitter. Go check out their site. They do a fantastic job over there. Um, please subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Amazing Avenue Audio. Subscribe to a whole suite of shows. 
um, rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. Um, the intro and the outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.